We're back, Frank Rayedi. In the know, in the know, property investing podcast, mate. Really well. How are you? The lockdown, mate. It's uh, it's almost over. We're out. We're free, mate. Um, we've covered a lot of ground in the first, you know, three, four, five episodes of uh, of the podcast. Um, you know, running through strategy, what we actually look for when we're buying a property, and and obviously those pillars we spoke about: a location, owner occupier appeal, and scarcity. And you know, they're really the three fundamentals that make up. Um, a property that outperforms the normal marketplace. Um, and mate, today we're going to talk about the scarcity element or the uniqueness element of that asset selection and, and what we actually mean by scarcity and uniqueness and, and you know, some real tangible things on what you can actually look for that give certain properties um, that scarcity. And, and, and as we both know, the more unique something is, in property terms, generally the better it performs. And and when we say unique or scarce, we don't mean in a bad way either, right? Like we mean things that make it unique and scarce in a good way. Of course, yeah. So, um, you know, Frank, most most suburbs out there in Australia, doesn't matter where you are, East Coast, West Coast, generally speaking, I would say 70 to 80% of the suburb, most of the houses, all the apartments are the same. Very, very few things differentiate them. They're all built in a similar era. Um, they all have a similar floor plan. They're all similar land sizes. You know, there's not much that separates them. And, and you know, if, if we've got a property that's the same as all the other properties out there in the marketplace, then generally speaking, it's going to perform the same as all the other properties out there in the marketplace. So you're not really going to get an asset that, that outperforms and, and, um, you know, when we're investing, Frank, if we wanted to perform the same as everything else in the market, we could go and put our uh, put our money in a an index fund and just track the marketplace, right? That's a safe place for it. What the market does is what your money does. But, you know, when we're spending this type of money and we're putting this type of emotional um, stress and, 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 and I guess, hope into something, you want to you buy something that, one, safeguards you and, two, performs better than most of the other properties in the marketplace. Um, so, Frank, like, you know, when we're talking about, let, let, let's talk about apartments first, right? Like, when we're talking about apartments, um, like we spoke about in the last episode, house B apartment debate, not relevant. It all comes down to the, the, the area that you're buying into with the demographic in that area and what they live at. But when we're specifically talking about apartments in an area where apartments dominate the area, um, like, what, what would you say the, the, the standard apartment looks like, you know? Most of them are two bedders, right? Yeah, look, the standard apartment's going to be, you know, well, definitely the most popular ones, uh, a two-bedroom, one-bathroom, one-car space or a lock-up garage. Uh, traditionally, it, and it could, depending on the era that that uh, unit block was built, it could have anywhere from, you know, four to six units in it right up to 30 to 40 units and even higher. Um, obviously, when we want something, when we talk, I suppose, scarcity and uniqueness, and most of those would have probably a very similar floor plan. Um, now, when we talk about scarcity and uniqueness, um, well, one thing that makes something scarce is, I suppose, limited supply. So uh, when we look at a particular block of units, we want one with as little, uh, sorry, with as as Small amount, Small of, amount of, apartments. of apartments, yeah, yeah. As possible. So obviously, uh, you know, six units in a block is better than 
one with 60 units in a block, obviously, because as we mentioned before, if you've, you own one sixth of the land that it sits on, as opposed to only one sixtieth of the land that it sits on. And the other thing too, is when it comes to, usually those unit blocks are tightly held. Um, you know, we've been looking at a few lately for our clients, you know, and they've got only six or seven in the block. And the last time a, a transaction happened in, in that block was something like 11 years ago. And in a particular, and in this particular unit we were looking at the last, these, owners had held it for 20 years. So they are very tightly held, um, these units in these small unit blocks, which make them, um, which make them very scarce for units. Yeah. And, and, you know, if we're talking about a standard two bedroom apartment, you're probably talking anywhere from 70 to 85 square meters. I would say is probably the standard size, depending on, like you said, the size of the apartment block on what area it's actually in and what era, era it was built in. Um, but if, if we look at the standard, apartment and we go okay well if it's a 75 square meter two-bedroom apartment with a balcony and a parking space and that's what most people like what would make this property better and appeal to a better buyer who will pay more money for it what are the things that they want and if we look at it generally they want more space no no one ever says no to more space or very few people say no to more space so more space more storage (laughs) that's right Exactly right. So, you know, the bigger the apartment, generally speaking, the better. Now, everything bigger is better. So if we're talking a balcony that you can have maybe a couple of people standing on like sardines, if you can get an oversized balcony, you know, a bigger balcony where you can have some entertaining area and some entertaining space with some chairs and tables and a barbecue and all the rest of it. um, Great, huge plus. You know, we're talking about a ground floor apartment, something that has a large outdoor terrace that's on title, not exclusive use. So it's actually yours and you can do as you please with it. Um, we're talking about aspect as well. You know, no one likes living in a dark, dark dingy shithole, right? Very few people come to us and say, Jack and Frank, you know what I want? I want to go buy an apartment that's dark, it's wet, doesn't have parking and it's on a busy road. No one says that, right? That's right. Um, so if you can get something that faces north or northeast, you're getting sunlight most of the day and you're getting the morning sun, which is great. Um, and obviously, ideally, you would have nothing obstructing that sunlight. You know, I, I myself, I live in Bronte. Every single window on my apartment faces north or east. Next to me is a house that is at its height limit of eight and a half metres. And on the other side of me is the ocean. So nothing ever builds out that view. Um, or the sunlight, which is incredible. Like everyone loves sunlight, especially when you're getting into apartments. Um, Frank, some other things, things like double parking, you know, single garage is essential um, or a parking space is essential. Double is incredible, whether that's tandem or whether that's side by side. Um, again, people pay a premium for these things because very few apartments in the area actually have them. And even um, oversized uh, double garages that have storage at the back, we've seen uh, double-sized garages or even single garages that are quite deep, allowing people to actually cordon off at that back of the garage to provide uh, secure storage for whatever it may be, a motorbike, uh, the surfboards, just, uh, you know, the, the, the luggage <laughs> for when they go on holidays. Exactly. And a really good way to, to think of it, and obviously we see these properties and we talk to clients and we're buying property every single day. So it, it comes somewhat naturally to us. But if you look at it holistically, holistically and, and, and you know, you're doing your research out there, a really good way to work it out is you want to you have a property where a buyer can walk into that property and pick nothing wrong with it. 
Because as soon as someone can pick something wrong with it, they start discounting the price. Oh, well, this one up the road had this and this one doesn't, so it's got to be worth less and this is wrong and that's wrong. And you don't want that. You, 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 there's no such thing as perfect, right? There's all, you can't please everyone, but you want to have a property that is very hard to pick faults. Because if you've got a property that is very hard to pick faults and there's a lot more pros than there is cons, then you've essentially got a property that's recession-proof because doesn't matter the market conditions, there is always a homeowner, an owner-occupier buying and selling their property. Now, if your property, like we want to make sure it does, appeals to the owner-occupied demographic in that area and you sell in the middle of a recession, in the middle of COVID last year, you know, we were in the marketplace, things were still selling. These are the properties that sell every single day of the week because there is so few of them. So, you, you know, you're ticking all of these boxes plus some, it's actually a safer bet. Sure, it's probably going to cost you a little bit more money. You're going to have to spend more to get one of these properties. But that extra money you're spending is going to, is going to guarantee you are, you are going to get growth that is going to outperform the market. That's right. And you are, and you're, it's going to come back tenfold in the long term. Exactly. Um, and, it's, and it's interesting what you say about, uh, you know, people start, you know, as soon as they walk into an inspector property, they start looking at what things are wrong with it. And, and that comes down to human nature, doesn't it? You know, we walk into a place. Some human nature, Frank, pessimistic nature. people. That's but right. they lo- there's a lot more pessimistic people in the world, apparently, than there is optimistic. That's right. But if we can, uh, if we can show properties, uh, find these uh, scarce or unique properties that have very few, if any, negative features, and even the pessimist has to, uh, you know, admit, wow, this is a fantastic property. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. Um, floor plan is something that's uh, that's super important as well. Um, you know, you an need interesting a- one because uh, a lot of people, you know, we show them a floor. Oh, sorry, before we show them a floor plan or show them the apartment, we tell them that it is, you know, only sixty-five square meters in size, for example. But then when you look at the floor plan and get in there, you see that it's quite an open plan floor plan, and Sometimes a 65 square meter floor plan compared to a 75 square meter floor plan that has a bit of wasted space in a, in a long hallway, for example, can feel a bit bigger than the 75 square meter one. So the floor plan and it's um, how it flows and its functionality, functionality is very important. Mate, that, that's 100% correct, right? It, it, it's less about how many square meters the apartment is and more about how usable the, the square meterage is um, and how functional that floor plan is. Because, you know, you've got, if you've got hallways, you've got entryways, you've got irregular shaped floor plans, it's very easy to, to have dead space in an apartment that you can't do anything with. So it can be 90 square metres with a lot of dead space and it can feel just as big as a, you know, a 65 or 70 square metre where you've got a really, really good floor plan. It's open plan um, and it's, it's very uh, malleable, I would say. Um, so, you know- Sorry, I was going to say, one of the other things that, you know, that makes, a, and we're talking apartments here, um, unique or scarce, I suppose, is, is, a, is, a, is a cracking view, if you like. Now, obviously, some sort of view or outlook, and it doesn't have to be a water view. Sometimes it could just be a district view, um, not looking onto the unit block next door. Um, like you were saying about your place in Bronte there, you, you know, it's unobstructed, if, if, if you like. Um, now, one of the things I, I look for when I go in and inspect a, an apartment is you know, the agent might say, go out onto the balcony, there's a great view of the, of the beach. And, and often it's, you know, it's there it's, and it's beautiful. But then I'll go into the lounge room and sit on the lounge and I can't see 
the beach at all. I can't see the view. It might not even have a glass uh, balustrade or balcony there. So I, you know, so I can't even see the view. Now, if you can find one that, you know, just walking around your apartment or sitting there on the lounge, watching TV or sitting at your dining table, having breakfast, you can actually still see that view. Well, that steps it up another notch. That makes, you know, that apartment even more unique or scarce than one that just has a view from the balcony. So I really like to look for that as well. For sure. And, and, I guess to, to bundle all this up in one and put it under a, a one banner, it, it's really the wow factor, right? The, the more wow factor a property has, the better. Now, wow factor is not, like you said, it's not walking out onto your front yard and seeing the Harbour Bridge or, you know, looking at the ocean or whatever it is. It's wow factor that is um, applicable to the marketplace that you're buying into and the buyers for the property that you're buying into. It doesn't matter if you're spending $400,000 on a property or you're spending $4 million on a property. It's relative to that marketplace, right? So finding something that is unique for the marketplace that you're in, that is not standard. Um, and mate, if we, if we flip the switch now and go houses, which obviously a lot of people um, love buying houses and so do we, um, again, relative to the area that you're buying into, but, you know, one of the biggest things that sets a house apart from the other houses in the area is the size of the land. You know, land size is super important to a lot of people. And if the average block size in a street or in an area, a neighbourhood of, of a suburb is, say, 300 square metres and you've got a block of land that's 400 or 450, which is, you know, somewhere between 35 to 50% larger than the average, that is very unique and that appeals absolutely to that owner or occupier um, buyer. Uh, things like relay access for parking, again, really unique. It has multiple uses. You can have, you know, a dual lock or a granny flat that uses that relay access. Um, not all properties have that. Likewise, a corner block, I suppose, uh, you know, that could possibly have a, a granny flat at the back with a separate entry from a separate street. Absolutely. Quiet street, super important. You know, not a lot of people like having cars drive down you know non-stop all day i don't know too many people who enjoy the sound of cars um sunlight again regardless if it's apartment or a house you know having the, the rear of the home um facing as close to north as possible and um not only does it need to face north the house also has to be able to take the sunlight that's coming right because you've got a lot of north facing rear properties um and they have very very bad ventilation and and, and very very bad um uh, ability to let light in because of the way the homes are built. Now, that can be changed with a renovation, which is great to be able to add add value, um, but you need to make sure you can actually do that and you haven't got things that are going to obstruct the view. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest things, and when you understand an area in a very micro level or a very intimate level is um, you'll understand, like we've spoken about, what the premium streets are. You know, there is always streets in a suburb, whether it's three, four, five, ten, however big the suburb is, it changes on, on how many streets there are, where they are the premium streets. People know that people who live on that street, their houses are very expensive, they're the nicer homes. Um, and, you know, that that is probably one of the biggest things alongside land size, where you will always have a property that outperforms because those streets are very tightly held. They come up not very often whatsoever. Um, and if you can get into that street, um, you're going to do extremely well. 
Yeah, and that brings us to the you know the limited supply. I was going to say you know that they're usually the houses with the with the on the bigger blocks, um, very tightly held, as you said, um, and obviously as we know with limited supply. Um, and that demand uh, increases over the supply. That's what's going to push up the price over the over time. Absolutely, you know, and, and we track something that we've spoken about before: or inventory levels, right? So it's you know, what are the average days on market? How many properties are actually on market right now? And if not another property was to get listed from today onwards, how long would it take to sell all the properties that are on market? And anything that is sub three months. Um, is a very, very strong marketplace. So anything where the inventory levels are under three months, so if not another property got listed within three months, all of them will be sold. Um, that's an extremely strong market and that's putting a very strong upward pressure on prices uh, or price in that area. Yep. Um, and, you know, then you can have the four or five outliers and let's just say the average days on market for a certain area may be 12 let's hypothetically say some of these suburbs in the east. I know Alex Phillips, who's one of the biggest agents in Australia, or the biggest, his average days on market is about eight at the moment. Now, you've got an average days on market of eight, but he sells a lot of property in these premium areas that we're talking about, where they may, they may, uh, what's going on here? Lost me. They may go to market and be sold within a day or two. And that's because very rarely they come up there is buyers literally lining up. They're saying to these agents, if any of these properties ever come for sale, make sure you ring me because I will buy it. And they're sold like that. Um, and it's something to take notice of, you know, like what are the, what's the standard property in the area? What is the standard features of a property in this area, whether it be a house or an apartment? Now, what are the things that buyers constantly say that they want or they walk into a property and say, this property does not have, I wish it had this. Make sure you're ticking that long list of uh, of checkboxes, and and you're almost guaranteed, like we've said, to get a, a property that's going to outperform the market, and it's going to be a very very solid investment for an unlimited amount of time. Because, like you know, the world will change, of course, but I can't see human beings going, "I want to live in a smaller space. I don't like a view. I'd rather not have a balcony. I'd rather have no sunlight." Not going to happen, right, mate? As always, Mr. Frank, fast, speedy. It looks looks like you've uh, have you got a haircut yet, or you're still working on that? No, not yet, mate. Next next week, can't wait. Next, <laughs> next week. mate. Look, always a pleasure, Mr. Frank, and uh, hopefully we can do one of these in person very shortly. Thanks, Jack. Good on you, mate.